Today's episode is about how to create a good customer experience for your brand and your prospects and your customers. That, of course, is also in line with my second book, Get Customer Focused, Make the Connection, which is available on Amazon and AuthenticStorytelling.net. In today's episode, I'm joined by Fred Faulkner, who is the host of the According to Fred podcast. Hello, business storytellers. Thanks for listening. Christoph Trapp here with another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. Today's guest is Fred Faulkner, the podcast host of According to Fred, a B2B growth marketer, customer experience advocate, and he works for a top 50 agency in Chicago. Fred, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Christoph? Great to be on. Living the dream like every day. That's right. Every day we're hustling. <laughs> Every day we're hustling. That's the way to do it nowadays. Um, so, Fred, we, you know, I always like to kick us off. We, we, we met each other. I don't even know when. It feels Adobe like I've Summit. known you for years. Uh, yes, Adobe Summit a few years ago. Uh, we were part of, well, you were part of the Adobe Insider program, that great influencer program they put together. And I was on the partner influencer program. I think it was probably 2017. Um, 2016, 2017, 2018. Yeah, one of those two years. But we've you know, been on Twitter and through some other chats and things, just kind of got to know each other. So um, it's been a while, but been a good run. So at least uh, maybe three years or so, which of course is decades in today's marketing world. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, customer experience, obviously, it is a little bit of a buzzword out there. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but I actually wrote a book on how to be customer focused. Um, so certainly a topic near and dear my heart. <laughs> Uh, but let's let's talk about customer experience. Does it actually help? Do we need it? Where do we draw the lines? What are you? Um, what are your startup thoughts here? Well, uh, I think it's a you know it's a topic that is still very buzzwordy. But the reality of the matter is that it's it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's kind of like digital transformation. It's you don't transformations and customer experiences are not projects. I think a lot of companies will budget them that way. But the reality is you always trying to have to strive to be achieve better customer experiences because if you don't, your competitors will. And today's day and age, um, different generations are very fickle. They're less brand loyal, um, but they are when they have great experiences. And so creating experiences, I think, is uh, everyone's job in organizations, but yet needs to be focused to a point where it, you don't lose sight of why you're doing it and who you're really there to serve. And that is, that is your customer. But, you know, doing good customer, having a good customer experience, that doesn't mean the customer is always right, or does it? No, no, of course it doesn't. But you always have to kind of, you always have to work within that construct, right? Because uh, now more than ever, and we've seen this, you know, for the past few years with the you know, advent of social media and everyone now has a megaphone, not even a microphone, but a megaphone, um, you know, one wrong experience can, can lead to a bigger PR problem, which has, you know, potentially higher, you know, other implications. But I don't, as much as people say the customer is always right, I think there's always a way to make a customer happy, but they are not always going to be right. And I think those are, those are things that as a very fine line that brands and organizations have to walk these days, because you can complain all you want on Twitter um, and you can try and rectify it. But if you, you know, take off the wrong person, that is a potentially a bad PR situation for you. Yeah. 
so I'm just think, I'm just trying to think of some examples when I had a good customer. So we only remember the really outstanding ones, right? And the really, really bad ones. <laughs> True. Like if you're at- and, and I think even taking a little bit further, I was, uh, I was at a, an event probably two years ago and, and I, I cannot claim this to be my own. So um, there's a forester analyst, his name is Brandon, uh, Brendan Witcher. And he was, he made a comment that is not even that you're going to compare your last great customer experience to something in your category. It's the last customer you're comparing this customer experience to the last great customer experience you had, period. So you can't say airline to airline, Southwest versus American. It's, <laughs> it's how's that experience to the last great thing you had. And, and that, that is a hundred percent true. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that's very interesting. So that reminds me, I'm laughing because I, I think I was listening to an ad age podcast and it was the editor of Vogue. And as you might imagine, I'm not a reader. <laughs> right. well, yeah, I don't read it. I, you, you know, not my kind of thing. But so they said to her, they said, who are your main competitors? And she said, anybody that takes your attention from us away to you. So even your phone is our competitor if you're not looking at us. So that's really interesting, right? Because back 20 years ago, I bet you Vogue would have never said that, Right. right. You, you're, you're within your category. So everybody is now competing against everybody. So what can people do? How can you fight that? Or how do you combat that, I guess, to, to, to create a good experience? Well, I, I think there's, you know, several things and many organizations get this right. And I think some are still trying to figure it out um, for sure. You know, a couple that come to, you know, straight to mind are things like, I don't think you necessarily have to identify a single person who knows or who owns actually owns the customer experience, but I think everyone has to understand they play a role in what that customer experience is going to be as an organization, right? So call center to field teams to, you know, if you're in retail to in-store, you know, everyone has and plays a role in what that experience is going to be. And the more transparent you are inside your organization, how you're going to focus on them becomes a lot, I think, more synchronous to how you can deliver on that experience. And I think that's one. And I think the second is just truly really knowing who your customers are. Your data is the big driver of today's day and age. And, and not just from the sense of I'm going to deliver you a personalized offer at the moment that you need it, but it also is driving creativity, is driving how you execute, um, certainly driving how fast you can augment and optimize to those customer experiences. So um, you know, knowing who your customer is at a very deep level in the world of you know, data collection and now data privacy, that things are going to get more complicated and how you can actually use that data. But data is huge. And I think, um, you know, customer focus on knowing who's playing a role and why is, is the second, you know, kind of really important factor. So let's come back to existing customers in a second. Okay. But the, as, as you're just talking about that, I was thinking, you know, maybe customer experience is also prospect experience, right? Oh, so- Absolutely. Customer the broadest word possible, right? Current and future, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe you have some examples or have some other thoughts, but the the reason I was just thinking about that, um, I'm currently, so I'm looking at a new gym, right? I really want to cut some costs here and there. So what I did is, um, I'm going to keep going to the gym, Fred. I mean, end of day, right? I mean, I'm going to go to the gym. It's not an option to cut it completely, but there's certainly options to, to cut some costs. So what I did, and I just did it, I did post a video about this on LinkedIn, actually, to see, we'll, we'll see how videos perform on social now. Not a big fan of talking heads, quite frankly, but um, we'll see. 
And Anytime Fitness, which is nationwide, which is I didn't realize that either. So I called them and I said, here's my current cost. Can you beat it? And then that, but you have to come in. I'm like, okay, I'll come in a little bit. And then they said, oh, and by the way, your membership allows you to use Anytime Fitness anywhere in the world where we have one. And I'm like, I travel all the time, right. you know? And I'm like, I, I've never even thought about that. So I looked it up. I got a trip coming up here to DC. Um, you know, I'm like, is there Anytime Fitness even near there? Yes, there is. So anyway, so I looked on their site and then guess what? I went to Facebook and you know what was gonna happen, right? I get an offer from Anytime Fitness sure. to sign up for a free seven day pass. And, all, and then I signed up and then the location near me immediately sends me an email saying, oh, we got your pass ready. Just come by whenever and you can start. And I just thought the whole experience. Now I know the marketing team or the social amplification team or whatever they're called at, at uh, Anytime Fitness. They are never talking to the person who answered the phone in Marion, Iowa, I'm sure. But the overall experience was I'm like, I might just switch because of this. <laughs> Well, right. I mean, that's the, that's the interesting thing about, right. So those systems certainly, and I come from a marketing technology kind of world. So, you know, the fact that someone you called, so call someone at at least some call center, then logged your, logged your inquiry, what you're doing. And certainly within a short time frame, they're delivering you those types of offers to, to get you to convert. So that acquisition cost, you know, is certainly important to them, but man, I mean, that, that's, that is key, right? You are delivered something of value. And the reason why you're going to switch is, either the current gym I'm going to does not meet my needs from other additional things or um, some of it's price driven, some of it's amenity driven, right? That's why you're going to stay where you're at. But the fact that they're, they're telling you, who knows, they may know easily enough that you travel a lot. So the fact that going to any gym is um, any one of their locations might be a real super important factor for you versus somebody else who's just always going to be local. And, and I don't know how they how they knew that or if they knew it or if they just said it because that's what they say. It could um, be what it was asked about. Right. So it might be something that is just one of those things that helps sell because they know from their customer intelligence that that's an important selling factor for them. Yeah. But but it felt very personal to me. Very, very real to me. So interesting how that's very customer focused. I do have to say I, I'm not a big fan how gyms make you stop by to sign up. <laughs> no. Yeah. And there's a lot of other, like, exactly. And th that's where it gets tricky. Cause I mean, I was in a recent conversation at work and we were talking about gym memberships and how some, you know, gyms will like, if you call, you know, that's one way of a sale, but the person at the actual location needs to meet a quota. So they'll cancel, they'll cancel your online, you know, membership subscription to then yeah. re-sign you back up so they can get the quota. I mean, that's unfortunately the downside of customer experience because you may have to go, you may find that now you're getting charges on your credit card or bank statements are kind of getting refunds and then recharges back again. And that's a hassle for you just so someone can meet an internal experience or an internal quota that they have to meet. And that is actually that, that weird fine line of, is it really customer experience or it was a customer experience to a point in that last mile became more of a hassle. And does that tarnish your experience now through want to then sign up for that gym, sign up for that experience, sign up for that, program whatever that might be and you know i think it does and i and even the words that people use show if they're customer um centric or not so for example i had somebody say to me one time if you sign up today we don't get to charge you this additional fee <laughs> we don't get to right as opposed right. to 
you don't have to, or it's waif for you, right? It's right. Uh, it, it it shows whether you're customer focused or not. Exactly. Certainly, I mean, language is a big is a big factor for sure. Words you use, the psych. I mean, it's psychology. I mean, it blows me away in how much we all get sucked into the. As much as I said, data is important, but there's there's human behavior in psychology and data, you know, customer behavior that is a huge part of making customer experiences what they need to be. And that comes down to scripting and language and, you know, everything that kind of goes in between that. So it's certainly true. So let's talk about how is customer experience a differentiator? So I'm just thinking about, you know, I mean, really any field, even if it's not as crowded as others, but every field is really crowded today, right? I mean, people have choices. Choices for sure. They walk with their fingers. It's not even walking with their feet anymore. I can sign in with an app. I can sign up with an app. I can I can leave with an app. I mean, it's there's an app for everything, and that that includes signing and and walking. Um, it, but it's still a differentiator because it is crowded, right? The the sad part is that now we have to get a little crazier, which leads to a little bit more of the the creepiness factor. I think in customer experiences today, um, which is I think also leading to, and I talked about this on one of my first podcasts, this kind of love hate relationship with with data and ecosystems and stuff that goes with the the whole privacy component of all this. But kind of getting to your point about you know it is a crowded space, so the differentiation has to be really keen. But I think that also means you have to really know your customer base and your customers you're trying to acquire and then your customers you're maintaining to create those experiences that goes back to data. So the data drivers to decide creativity, to decide experiences that, that matter, um, because it, you're right, people can walk very quickly. And, you know, that is um, how does how does a brand bring a customer into their fold? Um, we talk a lot about co-collaboration um, with how we work with our clients. I think co-collaboration is also something that's really big in customer experiences too, because can you, can you deliver um, someone that can feel more part of your brand because they're actually sharing more information back with you that then you can adapt into your experiences with them? Yep. It's uh, very interesting. How do you, how can you differentiate in a crowded uh, in a in a crowded market for sure? So, what are some of the best customer experience that you've had? What comes to mind? Uh, I'll tell you. I mean, I'm a big fan of this brand. Uh, there's two brands, and it's kind of there are going to be two opposite ends of the spectrum that I actually really enjoy um, using. And and for whatever reason, I'm loyal to them because of these experiences. My first one is Southwest. I don't do a ton of travel, but I do enough with business that that I certainly um, I fly them enough that I like to you know their process is easy I, for to me and I don't mind the low frills type of stuff. Um, but what I do enjoy working with you know with Southwest is I will regularly when I fly I will take a picture outside my window usually with the Southwest logo in like you know the engine kind of view or, or at the airport or whatnot and I'll tweet. I will tweet it out like, hey, thanks for the ride. I always say thank you to the, to the air pilots as I get off the plane. But I will engage Southwest on my travels in social media. And I'm not one to complain. Very few times do I ever have to complain. I'm not one of those complainers on social media. I'm more of a gratitude person on social media um, with the brands I work or engage with. And one of the times like, I did a meme with like a Ryan Reynolds, like his head lagging back when he was all frustrated because I forgot my drink ticket at home. And Southwest is like, hey, send us your reference number on a DM, you know? So I did that and like, Hey, we can't give you a dream ticket because we don't have them digitally yet, but here's, here's a coupon code to get free internet or watch a movie when they were still not free for that type of stuff. And I'm like, that was really cool. And then I continue to engage with them. And then one day they reached out and said, Hey, can you, can you send us rapid rewards number and DM us? And I'm like, okay. 
And they said, can you give us your address? We want to send you something. And I I'm like, all right, sure. Whatever. It was like, randomly out of the blue. And they sent me one of those like cable organizer, <laughs> like um, kind of boards with like all the, the elastic straps on it. It was Southwest branded, but it was one of those things like they just sent it to me just because. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoy like that kind of interaction with a brand and, and, you know, the works. <clears throat> Um, I, I enjoy that too, but I do have to, uh, warm brands, right? It sounds like what you got was really, you felt was relevant, right? And that's kind of part of the problem or part of the, the thing to remember. It's about what the customer feels, right? Not what you think they will feel. So for example, not to, I'm not going to name any names, but I flew an airline that I enjoyed very much, smaller airline. And I blogged about it because it was a very unique experience, so their CEO saw my article because they probably got Google alerts up for their sure. company name, which you all should do for yeah. your name if you're That's a marketer. Right. Some people, or, some or people, your, your real name, exactly. <laughs> you know, like people argue with me. They're like, why would you do that? I'm like, so I know what people are saying about me. So anyway, this CEO had the Google alert up and he emailed me and he said, oh, was, thanks for the article. What's your address? I want to send you something. And they sent me those cups, you know, the, the Moscow Mule cups, like, yeah. it's like that. Um, so the, 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 the copper cup, yeah. Copper. Yeah. So, so the problem is, I appreciate the gesture. I don't know how much they cost, but um, first of all, I don't like that copper on my <laughs> lips. So right. that's one thing. Second of all, I don't drink Moscow Mules, right? right. Um, and so I'm like, they would have been much better off sending me a t-shirt with the airline name on it. I would wear that all the time. Sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, <laughs> Absolutely. I, I still wear t-shirts from podcasts I've been on like two years ago. Sorry, Fred, I'm not sending out t-shirts That's yet all right. to, any, That's all right. to anybody, nope. but they send out t-shirts. So, so keep that in mind, right? Depending on what you do, like the gesture matters, but if you hit, if you do it well, you know, people will take it for even more than just the gesture and they might yeah. even walk around wearing that shirt or whatever for, yeah. for a while. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, my other quick one that's ex- examples, I, I actually am a subscriber of Stitch Fix as a guy, and I don't do a lot of shopping, but I've really been impressed with how much they have collected data on my preferences, and my stylist continues to nail every, you know, delivery I get. I get them once a quarter, but I'm, in, you know, continually impressed with how she's building on my wardrobe that they've sent, taking my feedback, continue to engage, you know, through emails and, and the app to, you know, ask like, what's your preference? Do you like this? Do you not like this? Did it fit? Did it not fit? And, you know, Stitch Fix is, you know, public company. And I think a lot of people were really amazed on the, the stock price that they got uh, when they went public and how much their valuation. And it's not because they have amazing clothes. I mean, they, they work for me and they're not going to work for everybody, but, but the, the data points they have and how much they use that data to find selections that work for me based on that feed, that direct feedback and the continuous feedback um, continues to let me spend a couple hundred bucks of them every quarter to give me, you know, potentially, you know, at least two outfits in the box and, you know, basically four or five more when you think about combining it with the previous stuff they've sent with me, it was sent to me. So um, it's an interesting, you know, direct to consumer model. So it's a little bit of a different from a customer experience, but I do enjoy how they've matched the data and the, the engagement they've had with me and then deliver value through the actual products. And I'm not, there's usually very rarely do I ever think like I'm going to send something back. And what is, this is a hashtag not sponsored, correct? This is a, yeah, this is a hashtag uh, not sponsored. Exactly. No. What, it, um, what's the company again? Stitch Fix. It started as a women's apparel direct to consumer and they, they've branched out now into men and they actually have a kid's line now and kids service. And they're, you know, they're great. You know, they're one of the, 
kind of like the birch box kind of direct consumer kind of brand that's out there. So, um, but clothing apparel. So I've, I've enjoyed using them for about a year now and almost two years now. And, you know, I've got a good wardrobe working off of it, but it's that definitely that balance of personalization with data driving to, you know, the experiences just shows up my door and it, and it works. So. I mean, and, and what another example of the competitive landscape, right? I mean, I remember way back in the day, I would just go to a store, buy my clothes. Then I grew so tall and so wide, right? All muscle, of course, uh-huh. that I had to find <laughs> <Football player>. the, the, <laughs> the bigger, the big and tall section, right? right. And now I base, I mean, I order stuff online, right? I need a new shirt. I go, just order it online. I know the size. Right. Um, and now, you know, this is another thing. Now you can automate that even, right? You don't even sure. have to look online. You just, and how often do you get stuff from them? Once a quarter? I, 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 you, I can get them every, every month, but I only get it once a quarter because I don't, I don't need to spend that much money or I need that much of a clothing change. Um, my wife gets them more frequently than I do, but, um, but I get it once a quarter. So they will refresh. They, they know that they know for the, the guys that don't like to shop for themselves, but they also know they don't need to send something every month. Right. So um, they give you options for that. I can, I can skip a month. I can skip a, a, a fix as they call it. Um, or I can continue on my cycle and they solicit feedback right before they go through the process in case you say like, Hey, um, I'm going to a wedding. Can you make sure I got something that's more on the dressy side? And they react to that and they take that feedback and they, they deliver on it. So um, it's good. I enjoy it for sure. It, it sounds like what my co-author of uh, the customer focus book, Kelsey Getro called delighters, right? So sometimes, um, you, you know, if everything is the same, not, there's nothing that stands out. That's just neutral, right? right. And we, we don't, we don't write home about neutral. We write home about uh, crap. I missed my plane because they didn't have mechanics or something right um, or like the experience was so good so that's another thing to keep in mind you know how do you delight customers how do you do something sure. here and there um the the latest thing i noticed on american so i, I fly american 99 percent of the time i think i flew two legs on delta this year maybe and um month ago or so uh the flight attendant actually gave me a little note card you know, thanks for flying with us with a personal note. And I mean, I don't keep that, right? I mean, I don't go straight into the recycling, but it was still kind of nice. I would call that a delighter. Absolutely. I remember my first order I did with Zappos. I was buying some some shoes and I knew Zappos was known for doing random things like, you know, upgrading your to shipping to two day. And it was one of those I was expecting to get there in a week. And, you know, literally like at 48 hours later, my shoes are at my door. And that's, you know, was one of Zappos's first real delight, surprise and delight, you know, <laughs> features for them is to do that type of thing. Not everyone got it, but when you did, like they would just randomly make it happen and it works. So talking about that, so Amazon Prime, right? I have that. Yep. And seriously, it's, you know, two o'clock here right now. Uh, if I order something in a minute, it'll get here tomorrow, 90% of the time, right? And I'm yeah. in the middle of nowhere in Iowa. So back in, back in the day, that was kind of unheard of, right? So now the customer experience is, you order it, you get it, end of story, you know, you move on and you're happy, you, you get it quickly. It's like you, you, can, you can almost get it quicker in the mail than you can go, go into the store. Right. Uh, but, but is there a danger in customer experience that, you know, today's pizza party is just the norm and how do you top it every day? Well, I think it's almost, it, it's hard. And that it's hard because, and we're going to say, keeping up with the Joneses, AKA Amazon, 
Um, mm-hmm. It's super hard for brands. I mean, Target finally started to find its groove with some of this and keeping up, but it's a, when you're other competition that you're keeping up with, whether it's Amazon or anybody else, it's, it kind of comes back to, I think we started talking about this at the beginning, which is the technology investment. It's not a project. How are you continuously looking to deliver? And I think companies get very bogged down quickly on, well, I can focus on customer experience this year or this quarter, but I can't focus on it completely forever with technology investments or people investments or change management or whatever that might be research um, to, to continue to make that happen. And I think companies will continue to struggle with that when you have companies like Amazon that basically have an infinite pool of money to put towards customer experience. Also it's been in their DNA since day one. I think companies still struggle with the, what does it take to be customer focused and customer obsessed and how do they change their business organization to support that? So it's a, it's hard because there's a couple of different factors. It's not just technology. It's not just marketing. It's not just advertising that you can deliver that last mile as fast as possible, whatever that service might be. But it is, I think organizations internally have to really think about what does it take to support that model? Because it is, are you putting quarterly focus on your revenues to get that quarter, you know, if you're public, that quarterly, you know, kind of number you got to hit, are you looking at the long game? And I think companies still struggle to this day of quarterly, quarterly initiatives versus long tail, long tail plays to focus on customer experiences. And that's, that's a hard thing in today's day, today's um, landscape. And, but things do, this has been a really a theme of the last few episodes here. Things do take time, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, when I hear people talk about how long it took them to build their content empire, some people were throwing around numbers 2007, 12 years ago. Um, you know, so certainly things take time. Um, so let's talk about, um, let's call them frenemies, for lack of a better term. So <laughs> okay. we have... And, and Amazon, right? So I put my book. So without Amazon, I probably wouldn't have never written a couple books. Honestly, they made it so simple. You know, they do all the work for me, other than the writing and the marketing. But they put the book together. You know, it just kind of goes out, and there it is. Anybody can buy it. And um, so they're very helpful, right? So is Google. Google types traffic to my website, authenticstorytelling.net. But they're also a competitor. Now, when I had Joe Polizzi on. Uh, who you know who wrote a bunch of content marketing books now he wrote a, a mystery book and it's right. only being released on um on on podcast channels so you can listen to it but you can't even read it you can't buy it even if you wanted to um and so what he said on the show a couple of days ago is um he, he did that to test new things and maybe not everything has to go through amazon <laughs> right um so how do you play in that landscape where you like you have to work together and but but you also need to innovate on your own? Well, uh, that's a great question, and um, I'm not sure I had the the right answer or the exact answer either. Outside of um, your, I think as an organization as a brand, you have to constantly test what your audience is willing to, where your audience is willing to engage with you at. Right. So for Joe's example, you know, he's a great guy. He's been you know not only doing books but you know conferences. He's well known you know, he's certainly built his own personal brand. He needs distribution, but I think he's recognized or at least is experimenting that distribution in a digital space doesn't always have to be your traditional distribution outlets. In this case, we know podcasting is getting hot, you know, it's the new blogging and many people say, um, and for him, you know, 
the question is, is it distribution? Is it revenue? You know, does he expect to make money? I haven't listened to it yet. I actually just subscribed to the podcast today um, based on <laughs> some of our previous conversations. But I don't know. If he has ads he's running inside of the, the episodes, then, then it's a revenue source for him. Like that is maybe the goal. If it doesn't, um, then he's just trying to find another way to engage with his audience and build and continue to build his brand. Or in this particular case, he's differentiating or pivoting out of content marketing books into a whole different type of storytelling that he has not been known for. Correct. And he, and he says he, the, the podcast distribution, is not really about making money. It's about um, getting his name out there in a new industry. So what I started doing immediately, I said, you know, uh, so I have two books, right? One sold pretty well, the other one so, so, and um, they're not, there's no audiobook, right? I never got to it, right. honestly. And then some people said, well, will there be a German translation? I'm like, I grew up in Germany. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you guys, <laughs> most everybody over there speaks English, read the English version. Um, but Joe gave me this idea. And I'm like, you know, one way for me to actually, you know, create another customer experience touch point is to read my book as chapters on a podcast. So I'm doing that. I just launched yesterday or you know a couple days ago by the time this will be published um, but again like you have to always try new things see how you can get in front of people um, see how you can delight your prospects and customers and, and know where the market's trending to as well i mean i i i buy books i have your book i appreciate the autograph one we got from a couple of years ago at summit um but i also i'm i'm into audiobooks i commute on a train i do a lot of walking as part of my day i mean to me audio is such a big part of my life and you know down to like my wife wonders why i spend so much on headphones i'm like because they're in my ears every day so i'm going to do something that use tools that are going to make it enjoyable but audiobooks is where it's at and podcasting now for me you know i've just started my podcast but i've certainly been listening to more podcasts more and more and and it's an important distribution medium because that is where people are moving to right audiences are there and so now if you want to talk to that audience and engage with them you have to experiment with new ways of doing stuff and uh, it's not nearly as crowded yet as, you know, the blogging area, for example. No, right. Um, you know, the other one I noticed is I live stream my podcasts when I do them just by myself. I, I live stream them and they have a few hundred listeners. So um, so I'm not stopping that anytime soon. No, exactly. Um, the- <laughs> Nor should you. Nor should you. <laughs> right. Well, good. Hey, to, to be um, to stay relevant with your customer make it easy for them to interact with you. I mean, that's really the bottom line, right? Make the customer experience easy, useful, delight them when you can. doesn't mean they always have to be right. Um, what else? Did we miss anything? Uh, I just, you know, it's customer experience is not a project. That's my, that's my big takeaway, right? It, it is a, it is a process and it's, it's an ever, ever infinite loop of feedback. So when you start to take your eye off that ball, your customers can walk away pretty quickly. And nobody wants that. No. Thanks for joining us, Fred. The Fred Faulkner. He is the host of the According to Fred podcast, available on all the different podcast channel channels. How often? Every week, or what's the? Uh, we're shooting for every week. Right now, we're we're probably more towards once a month, but I'm trying to get it more frequently than that. So, uh, we're getting there. It's still new. It's still a new process for me to get figured out. But I'm hoping to have another one. Hopefully, there'll be one out before the latest one will be out before this drops. So, it'll be uh, episode three or four. So. Still new, but we're getting there. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Fred. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Biz Storytelling Podcast. Thanks a lot, Christoph. You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening.